Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our church around the world celebrates a great feast of the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven. And it also recognizes the very end of the Easter season. Now how fitting. Jesus ascends into heaven and it ends the Easter season. Essentially what we would say is mission accomplished by our Lord. Now what I want to do from the very beginning is clear up any misunderstandings or misconceptions about the ascension in order for us to truly understand and appreciate this great feast. Now, what we don't, what we don't mean about the ascension is that Jesus is not taken up on some type of spiritual journey of space and time. That the resurrection Lord Jesus rises into the sky as though he continues this journey rocketing into space as if some sort of astronaut. Well, if that's truly the case, then I could easily make an argument that heaven is just beyond the means of our own solar system and that within a few decades we could make a spaceship that could get to heaven. Well, that's not the case. Not at all. Instead, What we celebrate here, the ascension of Jesus Christ, is that essentially Jesus ascends outside our own time and space, out of our own dimension that governs us here in this world. In doing so, Jesus ascends, we would say, back into his own dimension, the dimension that he once shared between him, himself, and the Holy Spirit, the dimension of heaven. Well, that's where he's going back to live. Now, I would argue Jesus already existed within that dimension at the resurrection. We hear stories of Jesus appearing to his apostles as they are in the upper room with the doors locked. Well, Christ himself passes through those locked doors. Well, that tells us first and foremost that he is no longer within our own dimension. He is no longer governed by our own space and time of this world. Now, to help us understand this a little bit better, I would go to some near-death stories. What I want to go is to a particular story about a young woman several years ago here in this United States. This young woman was arrived at a hospital, and for all accounts, she was dead. She had no heart rate. She wasn't breathing. Her pupils were fixed and dilated. Now, the first physician that arrived began to work on her right away. Soon after, a second physician arrived. Now, he was a specialist, very gifted and talented. Now, the first physician looked at the second one and said, Thank God you're here. And they both worked on this woman, along with the other nurses, for several hours. And after several hours, 
They managed to revive this woman, but nonetheless, she remained in a coma for several days. Well, when she came out of that coma, those same two physicians that worked on her from the very beginning of her arrival stood at her bedside. Now, what was very interesting, she knew them both. She said to the first physician, you are the one that began to first work on me. And then you are the second one that entered this room. In fact, you said, thank God you're here. Now, both of the physicians were flabbergasted at this. They asked this woman, how do you know this? For all intents and purposes, you were dead at this time. Well, what amazed them even enough was she began to describe all the other people that were in that room working on her, whether it was nurses, respiratory therapists, or other physicians. She described what they looked like in great detail, and she told them their names. Now, this young woman never met any of these people, and yet she knew them all. So these physicians were absolutely amazed. They asked her, how do you know all this? She says, at the time, I was outside of my body when you worked on me. Now, do I tell you this story to make you believe in these near-death appearances or stories? No, not at all. But I think this reminds us that after our death, we enter into a different way of living that transcends our own space and time that governs this world. Go back to Jesus' resurrection. When he rose from the dead, he now transcended space and time. That's why he was able to pass through locked doors and appear to the apostles. That's why in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Jesus appeared to 500 people simultaneously. Well, take that a step further. In this celebration, Jesus now ascends back into heaven. He now enters into a dimension that is beyond ours, a dimension that he once existed in, the dimension that he has now with his Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven. Greater yet, Jesus now gives us the promise that we too will follow in his path and also be able to live in that dimension in heaven. This is why this Feast of the Ascension is so important for us. Our human nature is now participating in heaven through Jesus Christ in his ascension. Again, go back to the resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead with his human nature and his divine nature fully intact. And now when he ascends back into heaven, he ascends with his humanity and his divinity fully intact. That's why our humanity, through Jesus Christ, now ascends into heaven. That's why Christ has taken our human nature to a place where our human nature never existed before, heaven. That's why you could say in some ways, heaven now has accommodated itself in order for human nature to live and exist for all of eternity in it, because of Jesus Christ. Because of Christ, now our human nature is able to exist. And now, Jesus Christ, through his ascension, we all aspire to that same ascension ourselves. 
the ascension that our ancestors have already experienced. We have to realize that through Jesus' ascension, he has blazed a trail that has never existed before, a trail that we all hope to follow at the appointed time in our life. Now, it begs the question, what does this celebration awaken in us? Well, I would argue a deep desire to worship. Go back in the gospel. It says at the very end of the gospel, as Jesus ascends into heaven, the apostles went back to Jerusalem. And it says they were found in the temple worshiping day and night. Go back to the first reading from Acts of the Apostles. Just a few verses after the Acts of the Apostles, it says they returned the apostles to Jerusalem and devoted themselves to one accord to prayer in the temple. Acts chapter 1, verses 13. Worship is vital to us all. It was for the apostles after they had witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? It is because in our worship at Mass, we are always given the great promise of hope that we will one day participate in the heavenly life that Jesus has won for us in heaven. More to it, at the Mass and every time at Mass, we catch a glimpse of the goal as what I would refer to as the finish line for us all in our faith. Now, what do we do at the very beginning of Mass? We sign ourselves, don't we? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, we recognize our presence of God here at the Mass, that God truly is present. More to it, we recognize that heaven and earth has united in the most powerful way at our Mass for the express purpose of worshiping God. That's why when you listen to the prayers of the Mass, you see that not only is God with us, but all the saints and the angels, and we specifically address them. I'll give you a great example of that. In the prayer, right before we sing the Holy Holy, the priest will say, May our voices blend with the voices of the angels as we sing our hymn of praise to the Lord. And then we launch into singing the Holy Holy. Well, that recognizes that first and foremost, heaven and earth has united and that the angels are all around us. That's why we recognize that our voices now blend with theirs as we worship God. More to it, Another glimpse that we see of heaven is when we come to communion. We eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus Christ. St. Thomas Aquinas referred to this as the Panis Angelicus, the bread of the angels. This is the food that the angels eat. Well, when we eat this body and drink this blood, we anticipate the day when we will eat and drink at this heavenly banquet with God and the angels in heaven. That's why this Feast of the Ascension awakens in us an orientation of our bodies to a world that is beyond this world. Now you say to yourself, okay, I must fixate on the world to come, heaven. Therefore, I must neglect this current world. No, therein lies the paradox. The more we're fixated on the world to come, heaven, and the more we precisely worship, just like the apostles, 
then we are motivated to do good things in this world. Look at the saints' lives. They were all about this. I'll give you two great examples of this in our own contemporary day and age. Mother Teresa, John Paul II. These two saints were fixated on the world to come, heaven. And yet, through worship, and they worshiped all the time, just like the apostles, at Mass, they were motivated to go out into this world and make it a better place. That's why they did just that in the 21st century. So too with us. I'll leave you with just one analogy that hopefully will help you understand the message for this weekend. It's the analogy of a runner. Despite the distance, a runner sometimes has the potential of hitting the wall, which means what? They run out of gas. And so what happens? Their legs, their legs ache so much, their lungs just burn, that they feel they cannot continue one more step. They feel like they're ready to give up, and they do just that. They no longer can run. And yet, I would argue, when a runner sees the finish line, when they see that finish line, no matter how far or close it is, they are able to say to themselves, I can get there. And they reach deep down within themselves, and they summon the courage that they never thought they could have before, and they keep running. Despite the excruciating pain in their legs, despite the burning they feel inside of their lungs, they keep running. Their mind pushes that all away, and they focus on the finishing line and the ability to cross it. And what happens? They do. Well, now apply that to the spiritual life. There are many times in which we feel frustrated, challenged. We feel like giving up. We feel like we've hit the spiritual wall. We no longer can continue the faith. We feel like it's all nonsense. It makes no sense whatsoever. We're willing to give it up. And yet, at Mass, and this is important, this is the reason why we go to Mass all the time, every week, because it's at Mass that we catch a glimpse of the finish line, the goal, heaven. And when we see that finish line, we say to ourselves, I can make it. I can do it. And therefore, at Mass, we summon the courage which is the power of the Holy Spirit residing within each and every one of us. And through that power of the Holy Spirit, we now have the courage and the strength to continue on. Despite the pain, despite the hardships, despite the frustrations in our life, we continue on because we know that we can cross that finish line. And guess what? One day we will. We will cross that finish line. And not only will God be there, but also our ancestors to congratulate us and also to welcome us home. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.